their coats on the road in front of Jesus and how that was an act of submission and how each of us are called to kind of submit our lives in that same way uh, to Jesus ourselves. Um, so we're going to pick up where we left off there. And uh, the first thing that Jesus does upon entering into Jerusalem is he goes to the temple. And he spends the majority of these next three days in the temple, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of that last week of his life. And uh, usually the, the first story that we think of when Jesus goes into the temple in that last week is the story that I've already read to you, how he goes into the temple, he, he's dissatisfied, displeased with what's happening there, and so he overturns the tables in righteous anger, and... Uh, and that's usually what we focus on, how he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, not a, a den of robbers. Um, but there's a lot more that happens uh, with Jesus in the temple that I want us to focus on this morning in, in spite of this really a dramatic scene that happens first and, and foremost. So we're going to have your Bible and want to turn there. You can kind of uh, get an overview of what's happened. Tuesday and Wednesday at the temple, and each day that he was there, all sorts of people, they wanted to hear him teach, uh, but they also wanted to ask a lot of questions, ask him questions. There were the, the bigwigs, the chief priests that asked some questions, the, the traveling crowd of pilgrims that had made their way into Jerusalem to celebrate fast. Jesus asking him questions. Uh, the rich, the poor, the Jesus. Now the first question that uh, we read in our Bible that he was asked for what he had done. He just who did he think he was coming in there? Just who did he think he was? What gave him authority to do this? Other questions that he gets asked over the next three days. Um, they ask us. They ask him about marriage. They ask him about death and resurrection. All these different things. And... Uh, they were putting his reputation on the line. They were, most of the him, they wanted to trap him into saying something that would either cause his to arrest him and uh, prosecute him. Um, I read it not only in Luke's gospel this week, but in Matthew, Mark, and John's. We have a lot of questions that we wish that approach Jesus as this, this guy that we can answer. I've probably heard this. I can't count how many times I've heard someone say, well, when I get to heaven, and, and that's what I think of when I read about the crowds asking Jesus a, a small group uh, conversation time. So what I want you to do, a couple of minutes, and, uh, and talk to each other about what you were given the chance. Okay? What questions do you have Why do I have to wait all the way until I die to talk to Jesus, okay? Any others? Oh, Mona. Did he know he was special when he was young? Did he know he was special when he was young? Okay. Did you raise your hand, Scott? No? <laughs> Scott, Chris, yeah.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, so those are some really good questions. Um, I'm sure you also had some other really good questions. Uh, and I, like you, want to get the answers to all of those questions. Um, but there's, there's something that I noticed as I read through these chapters. Um, when I read through the chapters this week, Luke 20 and 21, I'm drawn to all these questions that the crowd asked Jesus. But then the more I looked at it, the, the more I realized that Jesus doesn't really answer any of the questions that the people ask him. Uh, and if he does come up with some sort of answer to their questions, it isn't a straight or predictable answer, okay? And, and more often than not, to every question that Jesus gets asked, he asks a question of his own. So you ask him a question, he asks a question back to you. Um, when all is said and done, if you read through uh, Luke chapter 20 and 21, he is asked four questions during the course of these chapters, but Jesus asks five of his own in response to the questions that he receives. And so these people came to him looking for answers, but all they got was more questions. Um, and this isn't unique to the last week of Jesus' life either. Uh, there's this book by a guy named Martin Copenhaver, and he wrote this book a few years ago that explores this idea, and he uh, went through all four Gospels. And in all four Gospels, he figured out that Jesus asks 307 questions. But by contrast, he's only asked 183 questions. All right. And more striking still is that Jesus directly answers very few of the 183 questions that he's asked. Two published studies state that Jesus directly answers only three of the 183 questions that he's asked. Uh, Copenhaver counted a little differently. He thought that maybe it was as many as eight. But either way, Jesus answers less than 5% of the questions that he's asked. Meanwhile, he asks 307 questions of his own. Um, and so what we, what we see from this, I, I believe, is that asking questions first and foremost is central to Jesus' life and teachings. Jesus is a questioner. You know, oftentimes we think that Jesus is the ultimate answer man, right? That... that uh, we are the ones that go to him and he'll give us the answers, but actually it seems like Jesus isn't the ultimate answer man. He's the great questioner instead. And uh, this is contrary to the way that Jesus is often portrayed. We come with our questions and we await that day in the future when we can ask everything that our hearts ever wondered and desired. But the Jesus I see in this last week and the Jesus that I see over the course of his life is, is not an answer man. Jesus doesn't offer spiritual tips and tricks. He, he doesn't give us a, a how-to guide, a top ten list of the things that, uh, the, the ways that you can be closer to God. He, he doesn't provide us with a, a, a list of easy answers. Instead, what he does instead is he asks us hard questions. We go to him and look for easy answers, and instead he gives us hard questions. 
And maybe that's the point. Uh, Copenhaver goes on to point out that easy answers can give entertaining questions. Jesus has a chance to change us because answer invitation to further reflection. For the most part, answers beginning, whereas answers are often the end of a discussion. A question, in a sense, really sends you on a journey of something that's really valuable. So I think what Jesus, he's not so much concerned about the knowledge that we might want to receive. Transformation is not the goal for him. Transformation is the goal. And transformation comes, Jesus, uh, he gives us something completely different. To, to embark on this quest, not to find knowledge, but to be changed. Not, I think the things that we have questions about, the things that we're dying to ask Jesus, all that much. And so what does matter in the end? What matter temple uh, this week in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And something time in the temple, uh, Jesus begins, and the very first words out of his mouth, of his mouth when he's in the temple, in Mark's gospel. And then midway through his bonds, love the God with all, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it's almost like they realize that these two things are to have faith and to love. And it's not so much a bite of not knowing. It's it's our love. During this season of Lent, when we're on this journey with Jesus and this lation. But instead, it should be, the goal is to be transformed. The goal is not to trust him more, in spite of the unknown, and to love him more. Throughout this quest that we're on during the season of Lent, we might have a lot of questions Jesus. I don't want to tell you that you can't ask your questions to Jesus. Than we have for him. And I think the two biggest, and do you love me? And I think when Jesus asked me those two questions, all right, let's pray. In our lives, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on that we just... But God, in the midst of all of that, we pray this week that you would help us to trust you when we don't know what's going on. To trust you when we don't have easy answers, to trust you when all else fails. And not only to trust you and have faith in you, but most of all, to love you. Because we know that you are in control. We know that you care for us. We know that you don't want anything bad to happen to us and that you've got us. So God, help us to trust you, help us to love you. So that we don't go through our life of faith just trying to amass a wealth of information about you, but instead that we would be transformed to actually know you. We uh, pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.